welcome to episode 116 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAg.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I see what's cooking with Apple, dig into new mobile games, streaming services, and the future of iPhone. How are you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. It's always fun to take a step back and look at the big picture of Apple, because we get, you know, caught in the little day-to-day or week-to-week updates of new games and here's the new iphone but taking a step back seeing the big picture it's a fun topics today yeah yeah it's it's nice to kind of just focus in on everything that's going on with apple outside of our usual where we do this for the for the calls their earnings calls it's kind of nice to look at everything give our thoughts of where they're going what they've done good and bad so yeah this should be a good show And so we'll start with kind of a continuation of something we hinted at last week, and it's really just Apple's future. We have the iPhone 11 Pro Max, and that's (laughs) the top of the line with a stupid name. So we have that. We know that. And it's kind of a time to look back to see where Apple is going and what they've done since Tim Cook took over after Steve Jobs passing. And so if you're keeping track at home, the iPhone 4S was the last phone where Steve was still CEO of the company, where they released it. Like, he died a few days before it actually came out. But that was the kind of last phone. Obviously, he had plans in place for the iPhone 5, maybe down the road to the 6. But we've had quite a few generations now where Tim Cook has overseen the company. Is kind of So, Tim, as Steve Jobs said in his biography, Tim is not a product person. So... It's a different kind of perception because Tim is going to nail the supply chain. They're going to make sure that they have all the pieces at the best, most efficient, valuable price points to put these phones together and get them to people's hands and make it as profitable for the company. He's absolutely nailed that. But in terms of innovation and pushing cell phones, smartphones forward, iPhone forward, it's tough to really see that evolution because, you know, he's hands off. He's letting Johnny Ive, who now is at the company as well, do that. He's letting all these new people focus on, you know, developing the products. And this is where we're at. We're with the iPhone 11 Pro Max. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been CEO for about eight, a little over eight years now. He came in August of 2011. Like you said, just before the 4S launched. He, his first full iPhone that he was there for was the 5, which introduced that new 5.7-inch screen, 4.7-inch uh, screen. But then, uh, I don't know, looking back as a whole, it really doesn't look like there's a lot of innovation that went over over those eight years. Like, you look at the, the whole collection of phones over that time frame, and there's really not a whole lot of changing things. I mean, over his tenure, we did see four new actual product offerings outside of the iPhone. We saw the Apple Watch in 2015, the Apple Pencil in 2015, AirPods in 2016, and the HomePod in, after it was delayed, 2018. So, but the phones, which is their bread and butter, we really didn't see a whole heck of a lot change year over year. It was even in the non-S years, we'll call them, it didn't seem like a whole heck of a lot changed. It's pretty funny. So I brought up the iPhone evolution chart and you have the iPhone 5. That's the year that they expanded the screen from 3.5. So now your thumb could potentially reach higher. And then you have the S year of the 5S and then we introduced the 5C. And then for the iPhone 6, guess what they did? They made the phone bigger. And then we have the 6S. And what did they do on the 6S year? Well, they introduced the Plus. 
There was the whole 6, 6S. We get the plus in those two years. And then we get the new iPhone 7. And guess what? The screen's bigger. And then we get the iPhone 8. And it's really iPhone 7S because there was no 7S that year. And then we get the iPhone 10, which redesigned everything. And it has the new screen. But then the iPhone 10S, we were just talking about before we started. There's not that much to the 10S that's truly different. What they did is they have the new 10S Max. And so if the 10S wasn't that big of a change from the 10, and now the 11 we already talked about last week wasn't that big of a change from the 10S, well, between the 10 and the 11, it's really tough to tell the differences. Right, yeah, I mean, you left out one thing in the 2016 when they had went from the 6 to the 7, which there really wasn't much change, and said, oh, wait a minute, you guys like that small screen, we're going to bring back yeah. the small screen called the SE. And so, like, they just, really, they've just kind of been fooling around with screen sizes. There's not been a whole heck of a lot really innovative hardware stuff. There's little tweaks and improvements to the to the screen and the display and the camera. But you know what? You put that up against some other, all the other offerings from other manufacturers, and you'd probably be hard-pressed to notice a difference on some of these things. As far as, like, the picture quality, other companies are doing the same kind of things. They even, like, outsource the screens from Samsung. So, like, it's it's not like uh, there's a whole heck of a lot that they're really coming up with. And... Yeah, we have that discussion, you and I, where the 10, 10s, we couldn't even remember what changed because it was it, nothing changed in the screen size. So I don't know. I don't. It just seems like there should have been over eight years a whole heck of a lot more happening in this space. And I think it's because Tim Cook was in charge. I think if we had Steve Jobs, we would have seen some real out there, outside of the box thinking, really crazy ideas. But I think Tim Cook really kind of slowed things down and just did these incremental innovations rather than anything big and super memorable. Yeah, there's no experimentation whatsoever. I mean, the big changes when you look at the whole product line is that the screen size got bigger. And then we finally got to the point where we reduced the size of the device. So there's more screen in the same actual footprint of a device. That's pretty much the takeaway Apple's done on across all their product lines, whether it's iPad or Mac or watch. That's what they're doing. That's pretty much all they're doing. The one thing that Apple has done really successfully that's kind of taken for granted is that they're making their own processors. And the A-series of chips are absolutely phenomenally designed. And that's what gives Apple the real edge, is that they're designing the software to take full advantage of their A-processors and their mobile chips are better than anyone else around. That's really an undisputed fact. So you have that. Apple's absolutely nailing creating the silicon. But beyond that, that's where it's really tough to because that's not the big selling point. It's it's tough to say, oh, I can load up Twitter 10 times faster than I did on my old phone. Well, I still got to wait for the Wi-Fi to connect or my LTE to connect to actually load what's on Twitter. So it doesn't matter how fast the app opens. So processing is always going to be limited in real world use cases and as a selling point. And then on the camera side of things, Apple is doing a great job with cameras. We know that. They keep improving the pixel density and the sensors that they use, and they throw on more cameras. Soon we're going to have an iPhone 15 with 10 cameras on the back of the device. <laughs> and that's all well and good, but it's not anything about experimenting or maybe risk this or that might fail or maybe this feature will go by the wayside, but we'll, we'll try it out. There's nothing. There's no risk involved. It's like, what are the features that are easy selling points that we can put on a bullet list and people can figure that out? Well, there's screen, there's camera, and it's faster. And we'll do that every year. Screen, faster, camera. 
And then some years we won't change the screen, so we'll just say it's faster and better camera. But then we'll introduce a new size entirely, so yes, there is a bigger screen. And that's really tough year over year, because we're getting to that point where the 10, 11, and or the 10, the 10s, and the 10, and the 11 is a big period of time where the devices are almost identical. Right, and the thing is, like, that whole processor change, like, if you're not upgrading your phone every year, you're not really going to notice that much of a difference. Yeah, if you're going from a model that's two, three, four years older to this new model, you're going to notice that speed difference. But year over year, you're not necessarily a very limited thing, so you're going to even notice that change. So it's really, they're almost designing still back in the, the, the thought of people are upgrading these things every two years, but they think people, they still want people to buy them every year, but you're not going to notice the, the difference every year if you're upgrading every single year. So I don't know. I, it almost seems like they need a radical design each and every year if they really want to have something compelling, different, and try things. Like, if the sales are down and people aren't buying every year anyways, try something. Like, you've got so many models every year. You're keeping things around from the previous year. Why not try something different? Let's try something out there. I granted their their whole 5C didn't pay off with the, the color case, but there's got to be something you can try, something different something interesting you have a whole team of people that are paid to just come up with crazy cool ideas they should be coming up with something that really is outside the box and different that is a must-have hardware feature that apple comes up with like they used to do this in the days of steve jobs they came up with cool unique ideas and set the market now they're just kind of playing catch up and seeing what other people are doing to make sure they have those same features when they launch their next model. And I feel like we're almost always a step behind, except for dumb features no one cares about, like slow fees. And it's it's really, they should be innovating and being the leader and the trendsetter, rather than just trying to make sure that they always have what, what's already popular. Yeah, right now, Tim's Cook's job seems to be keeping pace. Like, we're not going to be way behind, but we're not going to be way ahead. And the entire smartphone industry is suffering from this. It's not just an Apple thing. There's nobody really doing anything. The one kind of flip side, though, is the two-year upgrade idea, because that's such an antiquated idea in the current phone space. But Apple is on that pace. You know, no one or hardly anyone still gets that two-year contract. Apple themselves has an iPhone upgrade program, so you can always have the latest phone. And yet, they're not really giving you a big difference. They're not even really incentivizing you to sign up for that program because there's not that big of a difference between the 10s and the 11. Say you have the 10s and you have the iPhone upgrade program and you're like, well, I might as well pick it up because I signed up for the upgrade program. You get your new phone and you're like, there's a third camera lens and I guess the processor is kind of faster. Right. But I mean, it also goes to the thing. Are you someone who likes to lease vehicles or buy them and then have a period of time where you're not paying for things. So I'm more of the model where I'd like to just pay off this thing and maybe have a year or two now that the phones aren't really changing every two years or even three years. It takes a while for them to really have a noticeable difference. I'd like to go maybe a year without paying for a phone, like save a little money and then start it back up where I, if you're doing this upgrade mode, they're not giving you any kind of discount. You just never stop paying. You're constantly paying for your phone. And yeah, you get a new device. Maybe your battery's all refreshed now because you got a new device every year. That's nice. But 
it means you're never going to stop paying for this phone. You never have a break. It's just constantly paying for it. So I guess it's what do you feel comfortable with? Do you want to always be paying? Do you want to like kind of amortize this this cost over a number of years? And I I don't know. I that's going to be individual for each person. But uh, where they're not innovating as much, I'm happy. Like over the past two models that I've had, I'm holding on to them for three years at least. Uh, And then finally, so we've heard rumors that the next one will be different, but who knows? We'll see if Apple really steps it up and and changes anything. But uh, yeah, so I guess it's up to the individual consumer if they're if they're comfortable just constantly paying. Well, part of that, though, we do have to give Apple credit for the longevity of their devices and that iPhone 10 isn't a slouch phone. It's one still one of the best phones out there, even though it came out a couple years ago. Right. Oh, yeah. It's still going strong. The only thing that I ever have problems with these is the batteries seem to just not hold their charge as well. And if you had a replaceable battery, I would probably keep this thing longer and longer and longer. But it comes to some point where you decide, like, do I want to pay Apple to replace the battery and then just run into this problem a year again later? Or what do I do? And even with this 10, I already got the battery replaced. I've had it for two years. I got it during last year during their whole battery replacement deal. And I still notice it run down way faster than my iPhone. I mean, than my iPad does. And my iPad is like three or three plus years old at this point. And that thing, the battery just chugs along and I play games constantly on that thing. I don't know how it's so different, but the for some reason, the iPad just doesn't seem to have the issues. Granted, it doesn't have cellular bands or anything. It's only a, a Wi-Fi unit, so maybe that's part of it. But for some reason, the iPad doesn't seem to nearly struggle from these these same problems that the iPhones do. And so the iPhone, we've talked about enough, but also the iPad, not much has changed since Tim Cook took over. Like, it was first introduced in 2008, so it was just kind of getting its sea legs by the time that Steve Jobs passes away. And since then, iPad, even less has changed than the phone. I mean, they introduced that new pro size with the bigger screen, and then they expanded out the screen and they reduced the bezels. I think that's the main takeaway of like eight or ten years of development. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's again the whole let's try bigger and smaller screen sizes and let's see what fits. I mean, they have the pencil, the pencil two uh, for input devices. They have their keyboard that's separate. But then again, there's always been, from day one practically, there's been third-party keyboards that you could buy. Uh, so, yeah, even there hasn't been a whole ton of innovation there either. And But I don't... Then again, I try to think of how I could have innovated these things. And granted, it's not my job to come up with this stuff, but I couldn't think of what I needed. But I'm expecting Apple to tell me something that I don't have that hey. I need. Because that's used what to they tell excel you at. what you need. Yeah. Yes, that's what they used to excel at. They would tell me stuff that I didn't even know I need, and then it becomes an integral part of my life. And then it's crazy. Like I never knew that I needed this, but now I can't live without it. Yeah. Like the Apple Watch, though, that is fully developed under Tim Cook's guidance. And once they introduced it, it hasn't changed much at all from series one to series five. It's effectively the same device. But just the existence of it itself apple has made it so people wear watches i don't know how many people i see wear 
a watch and it's an Apple watch. You know, watches were going the way of the dodo bird. They were going to, no one was using a watch anymore. And then Apple's like, look, you can have a smartwatch. And everyone's like, you know what? I need a smartwatch. And it's amazing how many they've pumped out. Yeah, it is really impressive. And same same goes for AirPods. Like, I see those constantly. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every single person in my office is wearing AirPods. Like, it's insane. Like, I went in the first day, I was wearing them. All of a sudden, the receptionist bought a pair. We have a whole bunch of new sales guys that showed up in the office. They're all wearing them. And it's crazy. Every single person is wearing AirPods. And uh, I didn't know if they were going to take off. I just want them because of the convenience. And I like the, the form factor of them. And they just work. The HomePod, not so much. I haven't seen a single one of those. <laughs> At least they experimented with that, even though it True. fails. <laughs> well, then we almost had that whole charging thing that failed before it even came out. Yeah, you remember power the, mat. the power mat. Yeah. So I don't. I guess they are trying things. We do. Well, maybe Apple they are TV trying things. We just don't see them. Had much effectiveness or changes through its history either. True. I, that I wish they would change the form factor to something smaller. And the uh, and price just, point and, and the everything. Price point, yes. Redesign the whole thing. With Apple Arcade coming and the support for third-party controllers, you need as many Apple TVs and houses as possible. Yep, yep, I agree. And so Apple does drop the ball in various places as well. Like There's potential in all of their product lines that they're kind of just leaving on the ground floor because we didn't even talk about iOS. Talk about stuff that oh, right, hasn't yeah. really changed in I don't know how long. I I give them credit that we finally have a standalone iPad OS that is different from iOS. It's even releasing on a sef- separate day with iOS 13. So it's a completely different build. I've, I really appreciate we finally got to that point, but it took so long to get to that point. Yeah, it's taken uh, for I mean it's that too has been slow and incremental and they I guess they've tried some things like we had Game Center then that disappeared and it's still kind of sort of around it seems like it would have been the perfect thing for Apple Arcade but it's still kind of pretty much gone at this point but yeah I mean there hasn't been a whole lot there either and just I don't know if I guess if you look back at like other operating systems, I guess they've always kind of been incremental over the years too. It, it, granted, you have your your tent poles in at least in the Windows where it was a major shift and major changes. We haven't really seen anything like that from Apple. Uh, I guess maybe once we got copy and paste, <laughs> I, well, I mean, Siri I don't know. was the big feature thing with the 4S, and since then, I can't think of a software feature that's like, oh, I use this all the time now. Yeah, I'm trying Granted, to I don't use Siri, actually. but Siri was still a big selling point of those devices. They haven't done a big software selling point in a long time. Yeah, no, even Siri like is limited in certain ways. Like they never really. All Siri it. did was <laughs> enable Alexa and Google Home to take off to basically That's all take Siri over did. the market. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they haven't really expanded enough. There's so much more that you should be able to do just with the power of your voice to launch apps, launch things, especially like find my friends. I wish I could just say share the location with so and so, and that way I don't have to go into the app, tap the person, say I want to share it for an hour. Like all this stuff should be done with their little automation app, but it's so limited. They haven't. They started. They always seem to have these seeds of ideas with, yes. especially with the iOS, and then they never really let them kind of like build 3D on them touch? hit everything <laughs> yeah 3d touch apple maps like a, they never really did it. i mean granted i think with ios 13 like we talked about this like 
We don't really remember what's in iOS 13, uh, but I thought they were going to improve Apple Maps. There's like their Google Street View thing. But how many years did it take for them to finally come over and like do maps some of this stuff? Maps was a like, big Tim Cook thing, too. He was like, we got to yes, do our yeah. own maps. And it completely bombed the first time. But they worked at it, worked at it. And now they just have to get over that hurdle of perception where people are pretty right. much like Apple Maps sucks. It's a widely known perception. Yeah, no, I've used it more recently. Yeah, and it doesn't, it's, it's regardless it's, of how it actually yeah. works. It doesn't matter. It's so tough to get over that initial Oh, right, yeah, impression. yeah. People have already moved on. Now they have their chosen map app, and yeah. so it's going to be tough, yeah. But also, one thing that you always have to remember with anything that Apple, and specifically Tim Cook, looks at is that it's not just we can we design a feature. Like, say they could make a million foldable phones. Well, Apple plans on selling 50 million this quarter. You know, they need to be able to design something that can be mass produced. So not only do they have to figure out an innovative new feature, it then has to be widely created for a very specific three month window, that initial launch. And I think that's held them back on multiple years over and over. They're like, oh, this isn't ready at this level. Like, yeah, of course we could make it, but we can't mass produce it. Well, even when they think they're ready, there's been some major goofs over the years. Like we had the whole antenna gate uh, with and the, maps. Where, <laughs> with the, yeah, and so there's all these certain the like plus things. used to bend when you sat down. Yeah, the bending plus. <laughs> yeah, and then you had the same problem with the, the iPad. iPad. Yeah, <laughs> so the bend. So like the, they've had some major goofs. So it's not like they're perfect when they right. come out. Like they're still they still have problems, but. Uh, they do take their sweet time and in innovating just because they want it perfect when it comes out. Whether that happens, not always, but they do try. And I guess that kind of ties into iPhone 12 and what we want to see. Like, we're not sure what's going to happen, but this is more iPhone 12. What do we want now that we know what we got with the iPhone 11 and the iPhone 11 Pro and the iPhone 11 Pro Max? Right. So did you want to start or do you want me to start with a uh, couple things? You can start because honestly, I don't even know what they're going to do with the phones. Part of me, you know, I can be critical of Tim Cook, but like you said, I don't know what else to do with phones. OK, so I have a few things uh, uh, that I would love. These are what I want, whether or not they'll happen. I think some of them might, but we'll see. So I want at least a four times optical zoom. in. Yes. OK, I can definitely confirm that. OK, and 5G. It definitely has to happen. It didn't have, it's not in the 11. I know that we don't really have support here yet for it, but people, if they do keep these phones multiple years, I want to have 5G knowing that when it's ready, uh, I'm going to have that support in my phone. I don't have to go buy a new phone if I want to take advantage of 5G. Yeah, I, I definitely could see that because we were talking about it and it doesn't matter. You don't need 5G before next September. But if you'd plan on keeping the iPhone 11 like you've kept the iPhone 10 over three years, well, 5G is going to be readily available and your phone's not going to be compatible. Right, exactly. Uh, USB-C, I don't know why they didn't switch that, that over to USB-C uh, for this one. It, it, let's get to a common thing that everyone uses. I mean, you've already switched over your iPads to it. Uh, yeah, you already the, have it on yeah, the Yeah, my Mac and iPad both use USB-C. I need more USB-C cables and then, oh, Apple's like, we still have that lightning port. I'm like, damn it, I'm getting more USB-C cables for my iPad and my Mac. Yeah, I gotta imagine it's gonna happen. Hey-ho, the notch has got to go. It's gonna be gone next time. I, I don't know. I think it's 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 going away. I think I they're finally gonna the get rid of it. I haven't noticed the notch in 
a year and a half, to be honest. But yeah, it's, from a design I, I only aesthetic. notice it when I'm trying to watch, like, videos. Then I'll notice it. On and the, I don't. Uh, if I'm watching a video, I'm on my iPad. True. I it, well, For the most part, I am. But sometimes or I'll watch videos. I'm watching some clunky Instagram video or some Twitter video. It's not as big of a deal. Because there's a lot I, of them at portrait when you're on your phone. True, true, yeah. But yeah, uh, I definitely and then, agree. Better battery life. I'd love to see that. Like, actual, Always. real, good battery life. Uh, they're probably still going to say all day. It's That's never going away unless they somehow get two, two days day out battery. of it. battery. <laughs> yes, weekend battery. We got a weekend <laughs> battery. So, uh... Reduce the price. I'd love to see it come back down. <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> no, that's not happening. Even though now storage should be way freaking cheaper, they should be able to produce these things for less money. I don't understand. And then finally, I would love to see some crazy new killer hardware feature that I don't even know that I needed that they're going to tell me and not some stupid gimmicky thing that I'm never actually going to use. I'm just looking forward to having a ton of different camera lenses on the back of my phone. <laughs> I'm looking forward to having a screen that's so big it looks like an iPad and then I somehow fold it in half and it doesn't break because, I don't know, foldable screens and phones are the stupidest idea I've ever heard of in my See, life. See, I would love that. If I could I don't somehow need a stupid have an phone. iPad <laughs> and a phone in one that wasn't super thick, like somehow I could fold it and then I could unfold it if and it make folds, it like an iPad size. Thicker. Yeah, but no, because it, say the screen is so thin that somehow it's unbreakable. I want a piece like, of glass that turns on and does everything the iPhone does. I mean, if they want to create that, by all means. But then, then unfortunately, that would probably completely eliminate our ability to get more optical zoom. Or more battery. Too thin. <laughs> or, new, or more battery, unless somehow it charges itself through the, the light that was just around it. I don't yeah, know. It just, yeah, it's solar-powered that trans it goes through the glass and that charges the device so it never needs to be actually charged let's hope or something or they put whole a whole ton of holes in it and it uses wind power somehow i don't know but they can figure this out they got a whole team they, they got gotta time. experiment tim cook's not out there he's not on the design floor he's not drawing up blueprints and you know having cad designs of these things he's just approving things so where's everybody else in apple doing stuff experimenting <laughs> Maybe we just got to come up and see some of these crazy ideas and email them to them and say, look, we got some ideas. We don't know how we're going to do it, but you can figure this out. Uh, yep. So, but yeah, on a bare bones idea, iPhone 12 definitely needs to be able to zoom in further. I like that going from 2X to 4X. Actually zoom in. It's great that you can zoom out, but there's more practical, practical use cases of zooming in. And then definitely more battery. I don't care. I think the screen is perfectly fine. Screen size. We don't need a bigger screen there. I don't need well, a high resolution rumors. screen. We've already heard rumors that it's going to be bigger. They're going bigger next time, I think. Great. That, those are the early rumors for next well, year. Well, it, it, it fits in line with all the other evolution. I think we just have a new processor, a new camera lens, and make the screen bigger. Print it. Let's go. Done. Yeah, and when then, then in two years, we'll get the classic 10, 10 size. What is it? 5.8 or 5.3? We'll get the classic 5.3 size. It'll be like the SE2 or something. We're going back. Yeah. So we'll see. So that's a pretty good idea of iPhone, Apple, all that good stuff. And really, I think the main takeaway is, do we have hope that Apple can pull off innovation in the future? Do we think it's just going to be like, it's funny to joke about it, but going forward, if you're an Apple shareholder, do we have hope that Apple's going to actually 
be a leader of the pack or they're just going to be even with everyone? Well, see, I have a feeling that within the next two years, I don't see Tim Cook still there. I see him out at some point within within really? his 10 year. I yeah, I see them. They need fresh blood. It's, it's someone has got to be stepping in. They've got to be grooming someone to take over for him and step in and have this this innovation. I I don't know. I got to imagine they're grooming someone. I, I didn't even think about that because I, I always think of the Disney comparison and Bob Iger and Bob Iger specifically went out and expanded the company under his reign. They added Pixar, Star Wars and Marvel, and that's completely changed the entire company. And that's why Disney is the leader in entertainment and they control so much of the box office revenue and just everything that you do. Apple, all of their, you know, bringing other companies in and anything like that, they're all small purchases. They're doesn't you know company change things and maybe that's what you need to do to change it's like tim cook's not going to do that so maybe you do need someone who sees a bigger picture than what apple's doing but granted we say all this and apple's making you know 80 billion (laughs) in the holiday quarter coming up they're going to make like 85 billion or whatever Oh, right. I mean, granted, while Tim was there, that they became Apple became the first public company to reach one trillion dollars in market valuation. So, I mean, it's not it's not we're, like we're being nitpicky for sure. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when it comes down to the bottom line, Tim Cook is definitely successful. Yes, yes, I agree. I just wish it was more innovation. That's all. More excitement and fun, too. Like Apple, they become like that just regular not like you know they used to be hip like apple was think different cutting edge all that kind of thing now apple's the microsoft they're the big boring vanilla suit guy thing that everyone has and that's a really tough blend yeah yeah i must feel like when we watch these these keynotes now it's like watching ben stein going bueller Bueller. Yep. It's like becomes so like just monotone and boring, and then false excitement over stuff that's obviously not exciting. And it's so it's just something. Yeah, the fun is missing. That's what it is. It, these used to be really fun, and you could tell people were happy and enjoying themselves. Not this like almost like false happiness that they seem to portray during these things now. I think that's the greater market as a whole of just overanalyzing and advanced analytics through everything where you're going to do all this advanced research of what people want and how many percentage like millis you know 0.01 percent increase in customer satisfaction if we do this and you know it's this whole reserved you you remove yourself from the passion of the project and you just care about fine-tuning things to get marginal upgrades in various market segments Right. And I, and I feel like we lost like any kind of element of surprise at these events. I think they almost it almost seems like they allow this information to get out there so they can gauge people's opinions on. Remember things. when Tim like, said double down on secrecy and we're like, oh, well, at least that will stay it for WWDC and iOS. And then it's like two weeks in advance. Every single feature is leaked out somehow. Yeah. He's like, stop. Stop me if you've seen this before. Like. We've seen all this. Like, there's absolutely no surprises at these events, except for like things they happen to leave off or like, what? You didn't even mention <laughs> this. We thought it was coming. And so it's more of a disappointment shock than like 
whoa, we didn't see that coming. Kind of shock. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's we just... lost the one more thing. I mean, the yeah. rumor that there would be a new Apple TV to compete with the Fire Stick as a one more thing, that got me more excited than anything at the actual event, and then it never came to pass. Yep. Crazy. Crazy stuff. <laughs> but it seems like what Apple has really done under Tim Cook and the focus is services. You know, he always talks about we do hardware, software, and services. And really, they've focused on services. It started with Maps. They've expanded iCloud to work with your photo library and have storage and all those kind of competing offerings. And now we're diving in to a TV subscription service and a gaming service. We'll focus on the TV subscription service later as we get closer to November 1st. But guess what? Apple Arcade, it's launching this week, September 19th. We talked about it extensively last week, but it's worth talking about again because you can actually access it with iOS 13.1 beta. You can sign up for the free trial and start testing out all these new games that are being part of the service. Yeah, if you have an iPad and you don't want to wait until the 30th of September, my birthday, by the way, uh, then you can download this I, uh, iPad OS beta and have access to Apple Arcade right now. Otherwise, you'll get it on the phone on Friday, the 19th. Otherwise, you'll have to wait until the 30th to get it on both your Apple TV or your iPad, because for some reason it's uh, delayed on those services. But the 19th yeah, is it, Thursday. Is it Thursday? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is Thursday. Yeah. Oh, I guess they have to put it on the phone to then ship them out to have them arrive in stores <laughs> on Friday. So, yeah, so it would be on Thursday then. Yeah, so just a couple of days from now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so finally, we, like, we were shocked last when the announcement happened, and uh, it's only $4.99 a month, and these are, like, some amazing-looking games. I just, be, like, minute before we started recording this, I loaded on the, the beta on my iPad, and I started scrolling through this stuff, and I'm like, what? This looks amazing! These games look so good! And so, yeah, it's, it's finally just about here. Seriously, it can't be understated. If you just browse the list, I mean, I haven't downloaded and played one of these games. I am super pumped when you go and be like, you're scrolling through the list. You're like, oh, there's Oceanhorn 2. There's Hot Lava. There's Jenny LeClue. Oh, what, what's this game? It's called Tawaga. It looks absolutely amazing. Oh, here, what's this game? Earth Knight. This is super great. It's like, oh, my God, this is insane what they're releasing. What the Golf is coming out, and you have Card of Darkness from Zach Gage. You have Down in Bermuda from the makers of Agent A. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? Where Cards Fall from Alto's Odyssey. Awesome. Like, if you're a fan of almost every type of genre they have you covered, but in particular, story-driven narratives seem absolutely amazing on Apple Arcade. Yeah, I, it's it's just shocking. And like all of these developers and like just every day I'm like all day today, I've just been getting constant press releases of like, hey, we're coming on out on Apple Arcade. We're, we're coming on out on Apple Arcade. I'm like, I had no idea this game was coming. And there's like you start watching the trailers for these things and you get more and more excited of like how much value you're going to be getting for this four ninety nine a month. Like these are amazing looking games granted i'm sure some of them are going to fall short of expectations but other ones are going to be absolutely incredible and fun and i'm so overwhelmed at this point just looking at this list of games like where do i even start like how do i want to go for something that looks like it might be 
uh, take less time just so I can try to experience something and move on? Or am I going to pick something that's going to take a long time and maybe I don't even get to another game for a week because I'm so invested in this one? And it's just it's like getting your Netflix subscription and all of a sudden you've never had Netflix before and everyone's told you you need to watch all these shows and you're like, I don't know which one to start with. It's exactly like that. I mean, just to put this in perspective, I don't know where all the time, I don't have enough time for all this. Like I picked up Gears 5 and Borderlands 3 and I'm more excited for all of these Apple Arcade games just because I know these were great. Like we have Cat Quest 2. Well, Cat Quest 1 was like my game of the year two years ago. And then you have Oceanhorn 2. Well, Oceanhorn was my game of the year three years ago. And then you have Mini Motorways. And I'm like, well, Mini Metro was just my game of the year a couple years ago. It's absolutely insane that these developers are coming out with these awesome new kind of sequels. And then there's these original games where I've never even heard of the developers. Over the Alps is this really innovative narrative based in the 30s of like choosing dialogue branching choices. And the Neocab has this awesome 3D, like this art style looks like an animated movie and you're actually interacting and playing with it. The, this is like the best thing ever. Like mobile games have this very, very, very tough perception out there that they're all these just ad-based, boring, super kid games or super granny games. And there's no real games on mobile. Like that's not even a thing. These are just ad-supported videos essentially that have no bearing on enjoyment and the only people who interact with these things are idiots or old people who don't know any better kids who don't know it's it's just (laughs) so terrible it's so damn annoying because there's so much great game play available on ios and i'm just hoping that apple arcade can slice through that perception and people give that one month a chance again it's completely free for a month download one of the games i've mentioned and you're going to be absolutely blown away and then you're like that was just one game really (laughs) I know, yes, I've already gotten to try a number of these games, and I cannot wait to play them all again on here now that they're finally here. I had no idea what the golf was coming to Apple Arcade. I played this at PAX East, and I absolutely loved it. I told my brother who was there, like, you guys have got to go see it. So he and his wife went to go see it, and they loved it, too. And it's just amazing all these games. And these are, like, especially for the people that are naysayers about mobile games. A lot of these games are available on other console platforms or PC as well. So if you're one of like poo-poo's like uh, mobile games, like these are terrible games. No, these are games that you would find on consoles as well. And the fact that you're going to be able to use a physical controller means if you're like someone who absolutely hates touch controls, you're going to be able to use your controller. You're going to be able to play how you like to play but just on your Apple devices, on your Apple TV, on your iPad, you can do it. Now you can take your gaming console wherever, like, cause now you can play these games and just carry a controller around, throw it in your backpack. And now you sit there and use this, use your iPad as your TV and just sit there with your controller and play if that's how you like to play. But it's these, I, I granted, yes, I haven't even gotten a chance to try any of these games yet. Other than what I played at PAX East. But I am so looking forward to diving into these games. And like you, I don't know where the time's going to come because this is getting insane. Between all of these games now that I have instant access to, then like we last week we talked about 
uh, Apple TV Plus and like all of the huge number of streaming services on TV. And there's even more. There are a couple more announced today. NBC has one. Warner HBO has their HBO Max one. And so how are consumers going to be able to consume this much content? There's even like two more streaming game services from mobile as well. Like it's absolutely insane. The number of various pieces of entertainment there are out there. And is this kind of like a, a overall shift where we're moving away from people buying individual games? I know you just said you bought Borderlands and uh, Gears. Well, Gears but... actually is just part of Xbox Game Pass, so it's part oh, of it the is. system. Oh, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. See, so exactly. <laughs> like, are we moving away from this situation where people are, are buying things outright and are going to shift to almost like a rental model or a, a, a leasing model where you only have access to this content while you're subscribing to these various services and you'll use it while you're subscribed and then you move on. Or maybe you just continue to subscribe because there's constantly new content being added that makes it worth continuing to pay. It seems like we've gone away from like the physical media. We've gone away from uh, people buying single titles and more of looking of, I get more value for just paying a certain amount of money a month. And then I, I can play all this. But then again, when is enough enough? Like how much of the stuff are you going to pay for? in a given time like you can't subscribe to everything yeah and you can't do everything you you know what i mean so you have to pick and choose what you care about the most and i'm always drawn to ios just because it's so quick when you say instant access that can't really be overstated the idea that i tap on that app icon and i'm playing within seconds you know i don't have a 10 gigabyte update on my console it doesn't take you know, a minute or two for the game to load. Well, games are loading. I'll open up my phone or iPad just because I have a game that's quick and accessible. I can get right into. And that's what iOS is always going to have an advantage of. And then when you have the quality of these games, you couple it together, you kind of forget about other ways to play. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, especially where this, you have this in your pocket. Say it's your phone. You have this in your pocket with you all the time. You have instant like, you can be standing in line, you're like, hey, I want to play a game. So you pull this out. And, like, you never have to look for another device. You never have to sit on your couch unless you want to. Like, it's just always around. And so it just, you, this is why it's become basically my main game platform. It's been iOS, not just because I do a podcast or write about stuff on a site. It's because this is convenient. This is how I can get a gaming fix in without having to make sure I'm like at a TV, if the kids are around, make sure they're, that I can focus on the TV or I'm not playing something that's violent that they can't see. A little screen where I have my own little privacy, they're not seeing what I'm playing. So it doesn't matter. Like my daughter absolutely hates Fortnite. She doesn't see if I'm playing Fortnite. I have headphones on or I have the, the sound off and the, um, have my screen. She can't see that. So it's it's just a matter of convenience. And now to have the, the level of quality, like there's always been some really fantastic games on iOS, but there's also been a lot of, as we shift to this free-to-play model, a lot of disposable junk that's it's come out. It's yeah. Yeah, and so to finally have this really nice curated collection of, granted, I have not played them, but seeming to be really high quality games. It's amazing to have this at only $4.99 a month and be able to have all of these experiences easily accessible. 
right in your pocket. And then we did talk about innovation or the lack thereof of the iPhone. The one thing that the App Store and iOS games in particular seem to have is innovation. Like there is experimentation of gameplay styles. It's the same idea of Steam games. And it just seems baked more where it's like a microwave on iOS where there's more potential experimentation and trying out. And that's what these games you go through. It's just all these different concepts. Let's try this. Let's innovate here. It seems like the handcuffs of, oh, how are we going to monetize this? We need to focus on these you know, particular groups and maybe we'll appeal to them and we'll have these people we bring in. They'll tell us when to put in app purchases. Like people stop playing the game after five minutes and 22 seconds. You need to do something here to monetize that. All those handcuffs and restrictions are off the developers. And you can just see that they went to town in developing and creating the games that they wanted to make, not they think these will sell well. That's what Apple Arcade and particularly Apple has done for these developers and for the system to just allow innovation and experimentation. And again, we get to be the beneficiaries of all of these experimentations and changes and just developers not having to rely on how we're going to monetize this. Because remember, game developers are game developers. They're not marketers. They're not analytics guys. They're not back-end, you know, monetization and business guys. They're game developers. And so to let them just make games, you can just see instantaneously the benefit of that. Right. And I feel like this is back how the App Store originally was. Like when we had great games that were coming out, it's because there were great games where people were trying to design fun games. They weren't focused on, well, let's figure out how we can get these ads in there or get these various monetization things in there. They they allowed them to have light versions of the games, and then you paid for the full game. Like, it was a pay, you bought the game, and that was it. You didn't have all these little microtransactions, in-app purchases, and all this other crap that took away from the actual fun gaming experience and became more of like, let's how to make money. And I feel like that's what we're finally back to. And that's what Apple Arcade allows these developers to do is go back to that model. How the developers are making money with Apple only charging $4.99 a month. Like we said last week, I don't know how that's happening, but I'm happy to see the types of experiences people are developing for this because it does harken back to those fun early days of the App Store. And then remember that I said, Gears 5 and Borderlands 3. You know what you notice about that? There's numbers on them. You go to E3 and there's big banners. Oh, here's this game and it's a number four. Here's a number five. Here's the 10th version in this. You know, there's all these extended, it's beyond sequel. You know, we're, we have a big name brand and we're just going to slap a number on it. We're just going to keep print money because people know that big name brand. And then you go to Apple Arcade and you're just like, oh, a tone, the heart of the elder tree. I've never heard of this. This looks outstanding. Mutazone, what the hell is this? This looks great. Sayonara <laughs> Wild Hearts. It's like Dreadnautical. They're all these original titles, but they looked absolutely amazing. They don't have to rely on, oh, you know, because big console studios, games come out very inoften. It's not like, oh, we always talk about that on iOS. There's always games to talk about because, there, you know, so many games come out on a weekly basis. It's a completely different market. It's not like, oh, here's a game that's coming out in October. Mark your calendars. You know, it's a whole different experience. And It's because studios aren't spending tens of millions of dollars to create these games and it has to hit. It can't be a failure. So they rely so much on existing brand names. And that's just Apple has changed the whole ecosystem of it. So if you want to give Tim Cook any kind of credit for what he's been able to do, 
It's to make things as accessible as possible, whether it's a smartwatch, so everybody is now comfortable with a watch, whether it's the AirPods, everybody's comfortable with wireless head uh, earphones, or if it's games on your mobile device that are original and innovative, he's uh, made that accessible as possible with Apple Arcade, because Apple's experimented with the App Store almost every year. Every single iOS, it seems like, oh, we're changing the App Store to do this. We're changing the App Store to do that. Well, I think they finally hit it. I think they finally nailed it with Apple Arcade. Yeah, and I hope this isn't like a a year and done type of thing. Oh, God. Where Fingers crossed I, that this is he's sustainable. Yes, I really hope this isn't one where, like, we come out with this fanfare and things are great and then it just fizzles after a year like we've seen with so many other things with apple so i'm really hoping this thing works out well for apple and for all the developers involved and hopefully more will come on i mean at the top i did mention uh i did say multiple game streaming services well there are a couple of others i just want to briefly mention because i think they're relevant here there was one that showed up this week. I had never even heard of this thing. And all of a sudden, I saw these amazing games that we've talked about in the past, and we rated them pretty highly in the past. And all of a sudden, they were dropping free. I'm like, whoa, there's huge sales. I'm going to tweet about this. Then I quickly realized this company called Playond had started a streaming service of their own and basically bought out all of these insanely popular properties uh, like Wonder Blade, Crashlands, Foulist, and a whole bunch of 10-ton limited games, and they kind of removed the old apps, so now if you, if you already purchased them, you'll have to download the previously purchased. You don't get any more updates, as far as I could tell. And now the only way to play these games is going to be to subscribe for $2.49 a week. Uh, to play their collection of 50-odd, or I don't remember how many there were. It was uh, or 30 or so games that they had. Yeah, this one is interesting because there's two services, like you mentioned, and they're going completely different paths. So all of a sudden, Play On, you never even heard of, and they just launched and they acquired all of these titles that came out in the past two or three years, like Barbarian and the Executioner and titles like that. Quality titles. But all of a sudden, they're under this one name brand, and any previous things that you did have no connection to that. And now it's this new, like you said, two forty nine a week price. So again, it's going to cost ten bucks a month. It's twice as much as Apple Arcade. Fewer games, older games that necessarily aren't necessarily going to withstand the test of time. It's just it's a very weird kind of surprise gotcha. Here's this, and then we have this other service called Game Club, and it still hasn't launched yet. They've been teasing it, I think, since March or May or something, and they're slowly building out their PR and letting people know about the service. And it's just a very different way to go about things. Yeah, so Game Club, they took a different approach. So they took a lot of the earlier games on the App Store, big hits that were early on the App Store, like Super Crate Box, Mini Gore, I Blast Moki 2, Spider, The Secret of Bryce Manor, and a whole ton more. And they've have basically a lot of these apps are no longer on the app store they didn't survive the the 64-bit apocalypse uh they they never got updated so they're taking their time to update these apps get them back out there but they're taking a much kinder approach so there's no pricing yet on game club they are have said that they expect to be competitive with the pricing on apple arcade but anyone that has purchased these apps before they're hoping to have a way where they're going to, you'll be able to, even if you don't subscribe to Game Club, 
you, when these relaunch, you'll be able to download the apps and play them if you already purchased them in the past. Apps where they had to like remove the them from the app store and create a whole new app for them, I they still want to find a way where they can somehow hopefully have a way that people can prove that they purchased them. Maybe I I don't know from your if you have the receipt in your Apple account, um, and then you'd be able to then still somehow have it added to your account and be able to to play the game for free. Uh, so they are going to find a way to do this, hopefully. But they are conscious that people who already purchased these games don't necessarily want to pay again. But it's nice that they're bringing back some really fantastic titles from the past. And I think this will appear, appeal to people that like these classics from the the early days of the App Store, whether or not they stand up to games in Apple Arcade is going to be a matter of personal preference. But I much prefer the model that Game Club is going about it rather than Play On, which seems to be a slap in the face to existing owners of these games. Yeah, my only problem with Game Club is that it seems to be very niche. I don't think they're going to get people who don't normally play games. It seems like Oh, remember when you used to play Mini Squadron or Dark Nebula 2 or Space Miner? Well, now you can play them all again with our service. And that was already a small market to begin with because those games never got to... We got peak app store popularity or no, uh, consciousness worldwide with Candy Crush and Clash of Clans. And these games were all before that. There's a lot of people who never even opened the games tab or looked for games on the app store before those games even existed. and so. Apple's specifically making a game or an arcade tab, and that's going to reach so many people where you go to the app store and there's a dedicated tab for arcade. This is going to be a small service that you really have to go out of your way to go find. And then they're going to bring out games that are really good, really innovative experiences that have all kind of fallen by the wayside for one reason or another. There's a reason that people don't play those games anymore. They beat it completely. They look relatively antiquated. Or there's various sequels to them as well. Yeah, so I think this one, I I think any, it's just any other sell. streaming service, I think any other streaming service is going to have a tough road if they try to compete with Apple Arcade. Just from visibility, it's going to be tough no matter what. You're really going to have to somehow advertise. I don't know where, because you don't, I mean, advertising on, on mobile gaming sites is only going to get you so far. It, really, you Not need to get out <laughs> to the masses. Like, because Apple Arcade is going to be one of these things that you launch the App Store, and you're immediately going to see it there. So how you're going to get noted, people to notice this is going to be tough. So I, that is going to be an uphill battle. I was battle. just saying that once they notice it, you get to see You've already seen, your eyes have seen Apple Arcade games and the quality of them. And now you're introducing games that came out five, six, seven, eight years ago. They're going to look long in the tooth, just at first glance, right off the bat. And you're like, well, these Apple Arcade games, they look better than these games. So why am I going to pay you guys in addition or instead of Apple Arcade? It, it's tough because regardless of how the quality of these games are, a lot of people aren't even going to give them the chance. And that's definitely bad because these are some awesome, amazing titles from the past. Right. Yeah, I think it's they're only going to get a fraction of the 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 people that are going to sign up for Apple Arcade. This I see it more as like people that love the the older days of the App Store and want to relive yeah. those experiences. 
But again, they're going to run to the problem where a lot of these games, if they are allowing people to get them back, people purchase these. A lot of the people that want to go back and play them again, they may have actually purchased them in the past. Maybe they didn't purchase all of them, and that'll convince them to to sign up for a, a few months to to play them. But yeah, I think it's going to be a tough road. Uh, but I do appreciate the way that they're going about it versus other companies like PlayOnd. And so I yeah. I wish PlayOnd them success. Is, I, yeah, it's terrible <laughs> what they've done. Decided. It turns you off right at the get-go, regardless of the quality of those games. Oh, right, it feels yeah. bad that a lot of people weren't even going to get to play those amazing games now because they're behind that PlayOnd paywall. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the other problem is, yeah, these were people may not have played some of the Game Club titles from the start because they were these in that group of people that refused to pay for anything. Yeah. And you're not going to sell them on a subscription service, uh, even if they do get access to a ton of nice games right off the bat. But I don't know. I really hope Game Club is successful. I think it's going to be tough for them, though. But I guess we'll see. I'm hoping Apple Arcade is successful. I, it goes I, into your whole time thing, too. If you're spending a whole I know, bunch of time yeah. on Apple Arcade, it's like, well, I can't go play more iOS games. I know. Yeah. See, I mean, it's, well, it's the same thing with the TV streaming services. Yeah. How many of them can you sign up for? And so I'm sure this is not going to be the last game streaming service we're going to see in mobile as well. But I, I don't know. Game Club is also going to be doing uh, Android as well. So that could help them out where then maybe they can get mm -hmm. some visibility on Android. And Ex that Google's would... doing a play pass They're Oh, they are. Yeah, oh, they're okay. making a competitor to Apple Arcade because Google's like, well, we can do that, too. Yeah, so I mean, again, so even on, over on Android, then they're going to have an uphill battle. So, but I, I don't know. I kind of hope there's room, especially where we've seen it on TV, that there's definitely room for multiple services. I hope the, the big guns don't out, like, especially ones that are trying to do a good thing, but only time will tell and we'll, we'll see how it goes down. Yeah. So you do have multiple options but i do know for sure starting on september 19th for free free trial for one month you can try apple arcade and if you try it and you don't like it i need you to message me at mac tds and tell me you're a stupid <laughs> idiot because i'm all in on apple arcade and i think it's the best thing that apple has probably released since tim cook took over oh i am so excited about it too i just gotta find time to play Oh, my seriously, because you're watching Netflix shows and Amazon Prime shows and Disney Plus. I'm going to watch like everything on Disney Plus. It, I got Disney Plus for three years. I'm all in on that. If they give oh, me an Apple Arcade, because my three my Hulu thing? subscriptions almost up. So <laughs> yeah. I got to watch all the stuff on Hulu now, too. Jeez. Time, man. Time is not. There's too much to consume. We're at that point. I mean, I have AMC A-list. I have a subscription just to go to the movie theaters. <laughs> Yeah, and unfortunately, I have to work. Otherwise, I can't afford all these things. So Seriously. So. <laughs> I think at work, you need to just play iOS games and no, I don't, watch I don't movies think your job TV. would last very long. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you got a job where you were just playing these games or watching these shows. Yep. So, actually, I think that's a pretty good takeaway for episode 116. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> Be sure to follow at AppAdvice and at AppAddictNet for updates throughout the week. And to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.